Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday afternoon. Um, it's a busy week. I hope to be in Teaneck this coming Shabbos. I'm going to go a little by the border and do the tefillah first. Because I was asked a very good question. It's not, there's no good answers, but it's very pertinent. And that is, now we're in the three weeks, so what is it exactly we're davening for? Um, which is a very good question, uh, but the good question is always hard to answer because the Jewish religion is not a doctrinal kind of system that has this kind of rigid, you know, answers in a catechism type way. Nevertheless, it's a good question, um, but it's a flawed but uh, now again, anything I say today is just my opinion. That's all I can ever do. Um, to cut away all the extra verbiage, suppose a guy. I've said before. So suppose the guy's a millionaire. He married a rich girl. He's in Lakewood in the Kolel, or in better yet in Punavish, or Amir, and he's learning up a storm. And. They have a very nice furnished apartment in Yushalayim or something like that. They have all the cars they need, all the maids they need. So what does he need Mashiach for? That's what the question boils down to. Right? person who asks this question is well off. And so the question is like, you know, what do you need for? And he put it very um, sharply edged. He said, you know, he said to me, if my father, when he was in the concentration camp or maybe in Lithuania nine years ago, if you tell him there'll be a state of Israel today, it'd be a sovereign state, all the Jews can be there, you'd be as religious as you want, this, that, and the other, it'd be beyond his esogos. You see, that must be Mashiach's side. There's a truth to that, but that itself, to my mind, shows the uh, the, the uh, fatuousness of the approach. So, before I get down to the nitty-gritty with the Shemona Hesrei, I'll just say like this. Anyone asks a question like this is coming from a rationalistic perspective, which is the way everybody should be. However, at the same time, as I said it many times, rationalism per se is inherently flawed for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is it's time-bound. Okay? So, the kind of question it asks, what is the summum bonum, the highest good? What's the end game? What are we daven for? I mean, are we simply saying, Rabbi Shalom now is the three weeks, Bring back the base mix like it used to be. If you think it through, you don't mean exactly like that because base mix the way it used to be didn't turn out good. Raise your hand if you want a repeat of the Baishani. On the other hand, that's what you learned in the mission and the Gemara descriptions of Baishani. Even with modifications like in Yechesco, but still, fundamentally the same. You know and I know, Baishani was a bummer. You had these bad Kohen Godos, you had the fratricide, you had all kinds of, the Chazal many times. Go to trouble pointing out the, the problems that were in Bayashin. So that's not what you mean. What you mean is you want to you want to base mix come back, but better than it was before. Well, one way of looking at that, in terms of what you're davening for every day during the three weeks, or in your his bone in this, 
because I think the Chayyonim, let me hold it for a second. I just pulled out my Chayyonim. I don't see it. I didn't see it somewhere. You said everybody should take off like a minute or two or three a day to think about, you know, the Corbin and all that. Um, which is very interesting way of doing it. Maybe you'll find it. In the helpless tissue bar, it ought to be. Anyway, the point is that it's a good question to ask. However, if you think about it, then you say like this. Suppose the base of Megas came back tomorrow. The Jewish people are not ready for it. They'd screw it up. <laughs> that's why that's where things are holding right now. So what you really mean is you want a summum bonum, you want a process to unfold in which the base of Migdash and the Mashiach and the uh, Olam Haba, this and that and the other, all comes one after the other in the right order uh, so that you have a utopia. But you don't really have an idea what kind of utopia you want. And that was the question I was asked. So when you have the Shemona Esri, which mentions various aspects of a utopia, how are we supposed to put it together? Or what would I suggest you put, how you put it together in the davening during these three weeks? But as I said before, the problem is always that a rationalistic approach is time-bound, and therefore a person is also economically bound. By time-bound, you mean like this. I can only imagine, uh, you know, what's in with my frame of reference. 200 years ago, the firmest person in the world couldn't imagine, oh, Rabban Shalom, give us a day to have a base of Migashus run by computers. They didn't even know computers existed, of course. You know, things like this, being outside the frame of reference. So you and I, if we're talking about what the final plan that Rabban Shalom is, I mean, we don't know what century he's talking about and what the science will be at that time of technology. We know that we're living in a time of frenzy, constant, you know, increase in the technology. We don't know what the summum bonum is. That's one thing. The other thing is, most of us, um, whether we're well off or not, we're usually stuck in a bourgeois mentality. And the bourgeois middle class mentality it goes like this. <clears throat> I already have a utopian. If I have a nice house with enough bathrooms and air conditioning works and so forth and so on, if I have time to learn and so on and so forth, I got my utopia over here. It could be better, but the middle it's called the middle class. The middle class, I guess, as long as I have the comforts now, I don't necessarily have to be super duper. You see? Um, the middle class is always the, the conservative, the guardian of the status quo. Because they don't rock the boat. The upper class, the other class, they're always like looking, thinking outside the box, each one in his own way. Most of us, I think, if you live in America or elsewhere, it's in a bourgeois mentality. Yet you're asking questions about what's the summum bone and what's the ghoulish lemma, which is well beyond the reference of the middle class bourgeois mentality. And so the question becomes what is it they're focused on? Now, if you think about it, in the Shemona Esrei, which I promised I would talk about. You have, as far as I can see, six different paragraphs that deal with aspects of the utopia, but not the utopia. Right? Aspects of the utopia. Remember the Rambam at the end of the Mishnah Torah? He talked about Yemosa Mashiach. He doesn't talk about the final goal. Then Yemosa Mashiach just a step on the way. In fact, the Rambam was bitterly criticized. Because when he talked about the Mashiach time in the Mishnah Torah, he didn't mention, for example, Tchisa Meso. He had to defend himself in a letter and said, well, that's for post-Mashiach time. And even the Mishnah Torah, he only says, how's it go, Lonus Savu, you know, the only reason they wanted Mashiach time 
they prepared a ground for Ruchnius. Learn a Sabbath, Hacham, Navi, and Moshe Mashiach, Lokate Shishal Alom, Kteshir Begoyim, Asami, Lech of Lishtos, Elkte Penuyim, Batar, Bachachman, Voyanogus, Mavato, Shisko, Chayim, Haba. Which has always been problematic because, like I said before, a person who's situated right, if he, let's say he won the lottery, and so he's well situated, he can sit and learn. I mean, he he's Leif Penuyim, Menachachman. You know, and I do, there's plenty of people. Think about Eretz Yisrael today, that literally lived their whole lives within the Daladams of Torah. There are, it's possible to do that. Let's say there's some uh, pretty firm people out there, some holy people. So what do they need the Moshe Mashiach and all the rest of it for? You understand? They're already holding there. So that's why it's a good question. The answer, therefore, goes that none of us that we understand an ideal, but we don't understand what the ideal is. That's key to understanding anything to do with God. That you know there's some ideal thing ahead, but you can't really understand the outlines because you're always time bound and bound within your frame of reference. Um, that's just the way it goes. It, 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 it's it's basic to the approach. Now, um, that's why the Rama, for example, talked about Moses Mashiach. It's time to be big luxury. Believe you me. If the Rambam saw the world today, how you and I, the average person, lives, it's beyond this wildest asagas of what luxury is. And yet, you and I are very, very far away from a utopia. We are very far away from Mashiach time and from Bolam Haba after Mashiach time, assuming that's the system. There's a difference in the Rishonim, what the, what the order of the utopia is. But I don't want to get bound to bog down in that. Rather, I want to talk about um, what seems to me interesting which is the six paragraphs in the Shemona Esrei, in a broad way, I don't want to get into it very deep, uh, but for the purpose of discussion, and to be a historical critic of the Shemona Esrei, I don't mean criticism, again, not criticism like, you know, like W. C. Hoffman, not criticism like I'm saying something wrong about you, criticism in terms of evaluating when and where and all this came together. You and I have the Shemona Esrei, and that's the Ikrit Tefillah. The Shemona Esrei, we have no idea how it was put together. They even say in the Gemara, you know, it was there, it was forgotten, it was redone. There was small conversion, all the rest of it. The point is, it doesn't give the impression that somebody just sat down and wrote the whole thing out. But rather, it was stitched together from different philos. The fundamental idea is the, three, the first three are praised and the last three are praised and all that. But within... It's not so clear. The Gemara in Megillah, as we all know, everybody before Purim learns Megillah, tries to give some or- reason for the order, but it's a post-facto. It's a bit the other. It seems very strongly that it's not the Chachila, that's how the guy thought of when he put it together. But looking at it in retrospect, you try to say, since this happens, then comes a ghoul, a ghoul that reminds us of this passage, and this happens as a, it's a Agatha-type way of approaching things. Agatha has its own inner disciplines. But it's not straightforward business. It seems to me, best as I can figure out, if you look at these six, it'd be Hashem Shoteinu, Yerushalayim Irchon, it's Tamach David, it'd be Ritzeg, it would even be Sim Shalom. That might be really the Summum Bonum. That's good. Um, I think that each one of these was composed by different people, great people, one time or another, 
And eventually, when they put together the Shmonesri in the form we have it today, it was stitched together in a certain way. But each one represents simply a face or an aspect of what the final ghoul is. And it doesn't mean that if you put them all together, you have the full package. That's my point. Don't flatter yourself. You can now guess God. Even the prophet Yeshayo says, I have not seen what God has in mind. For those who wait upon him. The, the Navi is saying, even though he's a Navi, he can't, you know, he doesn't get it. And the Gemara, you know, says, oh, the Lom de Torah, I and Lorosa, Lim Zuloska, and all that. So, let's just look at this in a second. There are different aspects of what you want for uh, uh, that when, when Tisha Bubble will be reversed. Right? I think that each one of these paragraphs was composed by somebody else or a different interest group which is focused on its particular piece that captured its imagination. For example, Hashiv Shotinik Varshanavi Yasanachila, and right off the bat, obviously represents the position of those who most focus on the on the kingdom of Halacha. You understand? That in the Mashiach time, everybody will be from and observant. They'll follow the laws. Of course, then you'll have to know what the laws are. That's what it's going to be. The Rambam also, you know, says, basically, um, not that that proves, I'm just, you know, he, he puts it together very nicely. Right? They'll restore all the halachas. The tag misses will be fully operational. One piece of the final gula, not the whole thing, because it cannot be that the summum bonum is just a halachically observant society. <laughs> that, that's for math and science, guys. What's the reason everybody's following these halachas? What does it lead to? But it's an important piece. So it's what you call necessary but not sufficient. You need it, but in itself doesn't comprehend the whole total geula. So, those who were thinking about, oh, the Mashiach should come tomorrow, and we said, Tisha B'Av should be a holiday, and have a geula, the utopia, Hashim Shotan was a representation of that particular element in Klai Yisrael. That will have real, you know, everybody will follow the dinim. It's not always easy, as you know, to know what the dinim are. We'll have, we'll have judges who are Super honest, super smart. They'll make it work. That's one group. There was a different group. That's when you were talking about what um, the what do you call it? what uh, the ghoul is. Is the base of mikdash. There are two aspects. There's a physical base of mikdash, and then there's the ceremonies. Is is represents those who say we want Yerushalayim to be the center of the Jewish people, not simply to have a capital city, but to be Ruchni's capital. No, this would be something special. The way I mentioned the other day, the way Yehuda Levi looks at Tina, it's actually with Kedusha, he sees it with a magic ear upon it, like I said, a Mary Poppins type of thing. will be there. So you want a place. Those who were doing that... Of course, they also believe in a Shiva Shabbatanik Varshana. But by them, the Iker 
It was Yerushalayim Yerakodesh. Literally, Yerushalayim Yerakodesh. And if you have a place with Hashor Sashchina, that's the supreme goal. Now again, if I asked you the question, so what's the point of having a city where the Shechina is? That too would not be the summum bonum. That would not be the final goal. But it's a necessary element of it. By us, the way we understand, a utopia has to include Yerushalayim, which is an old Jewish city, which is all from city, Kedusha type of city, Hashua Shechina type city. The base of is a piece of that. As we all know, Yerushalayim is not only the base of Mikdash. There's so many halachas, as you know, that are confined to the Yerushalayim per se. And that's a big piece of it. If you examine it closely, I don't want to go there right now, it even has pieces of national unity in there, the way I read it, but um, which none of the others mention. And without national unity, you ain't going to get nothing. I mean, that's a religious point of view, not just a political one. But, you know, we don't have, as far as I can see, a prayer, they didn't compose a prayer, make us all the same, the actors. Yerushalayim represents those... Now, again, the, the people who are yearning for Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, Hashanah, we're not denying the Sanhedrin part, the Basin parts, all the rest of it, but by them, that's the, what, they, what they're dreaming of. There are others who their main thing that they were dreaming of was uh, Malchus based of it. No, it's an, a Jewish state in the frumous sense of the word. There's all the glory that goes along with it. Those are your monarchists. To be perfectly honest, if you're a modern Jew, let's say, for example, living in America, you, know, you, you can say, I guess you could have a Mashiach time. You can have a a a, 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 a utopia but without a Davidic kingdom. Didn't work out so great back in Bicerician time. You could have a good, without a Davidic kingdom. Uh, Especially if you're yeshivish, you say like this, just have a yeshivish hotenik and I don't need a stemach david. Right? All you need is the moeses doli, a Torah, whatever you want to call it. Mashiach time, somebody like Rav Chaim Kanyes could be in charge, or whoever your particular god is, could be the grah, it doesn't matter to me. They have your ideal figure. So a king is like superfluous. Right? Right? But there are others who didn't see it that way. And they're the ones who wrote a stemach david, They'll say the whole problem of Baishani that there was no Malchus based of it. And it's true they messed up a Baishrishan, but next time they won't mess up. Because the Mashiach will be somebody special. The Semach means the Mashiach. But again, Mashiach is just a founder of a dynasty. You see? At least in the Maimonidean sense. There are others who understand Mashiach will be immortal. But, you know, that would represent the political side. And that's the, the, the piece of the Summon Bonum that they're interested in. And to be perfectly honest, you know, you can't have a state without a head. And so, the way we understand the perfect world will be one in which you'll have a Yushalayim, which is all the way it's supposed to be, and a, a law system governed by people the way it's supposed to be, but to be a kingdom at the top. Now, again, if a guy's a rich American or this today, he said, what do I need to do in a Malchus to be done before? Matter of fact, the opposite. They'll get in my way. Meanwhile, I have the untrammeled enjoyment of my own goods. So here you see that according to the Jewish religion, you're not right. That's what I mean when I say that we can't help but have the bourgeois mentality with it. As long as my personal needs are taken care of, 
Berevach, I basically don't get passionate about the need for the change of the situation. The, the answer to that, which is never an immediate one, is always that history teaches you that all those things which are in the context of Gaulus, not these kinds of things we mentioned when I say, uh, turn out bad in the end. Either there's some kind of political Holocaust type thing, I don't, I don't want to overuse the word, but you know, there would be an expulsion of Gaulus. There's, something bad, there's a bad ending to it. And Ruchnius wise, there's a bad ending to it. Okay? Like I said, I know too many families where generation after generation after generation, they stay from. Sooner or later, it breaks down. Yeah, three, four, five generations. Less. So, I identified, when you're doing Shemun Esrei, three different groups. One represented the monarchical position, one of the Jerusalem, Hashorah Sachina position, one represented the Hashim Shotani position. The Ritzay, of course, right, will represent, if I can use this term, the priestly thing. If you're a Kohen, where somebody's focused on those kind of issues, it's the Avodah in the base of Mikdash. None of these prayers say, you know, are focused on rebuild the base of Mikdash. It's interesting. Right? It doesn't say anywhere in Shemun Esri, oh Lord, rebuild the temple. My, I think I'm right about that. Let me just think. I think I'm right. Which is interesting. It doesn't say rebuild the temple. It says, Hoshe let's say to the that's a little bit different. <laughs> you get it? So then I need to see him That's a little bit different. You see? This would represent those who want to, you know, like as I said before, that the base of Migdash should work out because the base of Migdash left with a bad smell when the Bayashina was destroyed, since everybody knew that so many bad things had happened over there. As the Chazal put it famously, 40 years before the Korban, the Shekhinah departed from Beth Mikdash and they didn't do this anymore and they didn't do that anymore. So you say, That's mean we want we want the, the carbonic system to work in the ideal form the way it's supposed to be. And so you have four lobbies. You have your judicial lobby, you have your Jerusalem lobby, you have your monarchy group, now we have the priestly group. Now, each one is sort of focused on its own, you know, uh, group desire, group goal. Uh, where do you get the the, the, the ruchnius one? Okay? Where do you get the Shemun Esrei something beyond we want, you know, we want Mashiach time, we want a Jerusalem back, all the rest of it. I mean, like, What's the goal of all that? It's interesting that I, I was thinking about it today because of the question he asked me. And you find it in the same Shalom where it says, give us Or Panecha. The Or Panin is a high spiritual ideal. That's really what the Ram and these other people talk about when they, that, that, that's the term, they don't use that term, but that's what it means. Rambam tries to put in philosophical terms, you know, uh, that they're, what do you call it? Lofikach, yuchachamim gedolim v'yodim dvarim stumim ma'amukim v'yasigu das barim kafikach adam. Kim olar stay as Hashem. The people will be able to 
know God in a way they don't know now, which vastly surpasses the material enjoyments that we have over here. Now, if you're rich, uh, there's a different model. Now, it's funny because I don't think we ever, you know, read Sim Shalom that way. First of all, it's the end of Shmonesri. You already see, you know, pretty soon it's going to be over. Second of all, most of us focus on the peace part because you live in a world where Israel's under attack, there's anti Semitism in America, etc., etc. Let me say, Sim Shalom Tobaracha, Chem Chesrachim Alenu. You know, you want shalom, and we do. We want security, and we do. But what's the minute? Isn't that interesting? In fact, I'm not sure. It could be that that once upon a time was a bracha by itself and was folded into the same shalom. Because is a very lofty kind of spirituality. Uh, which far tra- which far transcends any uh, material kinds of things you have. You see, uh, we don't do justice to it. That's very mundane and utilitarian. Not that I'm against it, but or panecha. We want the or panecha. That's a very uh, mystical kind of term. And it seems to me that might be the main thing you're thinking about when you're davening during the three weeks in the Shonestri. The Orpan, the, 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 the different, the, the, a different enlightenment, the divine favor. It's, uh, I hate to use it, it sounds cliche, but it's not cliche. And Hashim Shotena is, is, is just a means for that. Is a means for that. Esemach to have a king is nothing but a means for that. Ritzay to have the carbonus and killing the animals is nothing but a means for that. The goal itself is Arpanim, Arpanecho. Kachner Lee. Instant? Kachner Lee. Now, I think, it seems to me, that way back when, maybe at the time, um, of the second temple, after the Chorban second temple, it's not 100% clear. These were composed by different people. I don't think some, one guy sat down and wrote out the whole thing. I think somebody put them all together. And then you can have a separate D-board, which to tell you the truth to me is not interesting. I'm not made that way. Now, why is it put in this particular order? But I think that it's not necessary to even get into that. If it's the three weeks... And you're focusing, what do we not have? Uh, every one of those things are things we don't have. If a person says, like, what do I need him for? So I hear that. That's an honest question. But there's something wrong with it. Because that means you're, 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 you're saying that, you know, uh, the only reality you have is a selfish one, which is a materialistic one. To some people, you can't help it because that is the utopianism offered by modern civilization. You know what I'm saying? The whole point of science and technology the last couple hundred years is to compete with religions for utopia. Religions say it'll happen one day and it'll happen miraculously. Science says, no, it can happen much quicker than one day. 
it's not so far off. Hayom in Bekolo Tishman. If you listen to the voice of science, Hayom, you can have it today. And we ourselves can do it. And the creature comforts that we offer are the utopia. Now, they're not. All modern philosophers themselves will tell you that creature comforts themselves, you know, don't lead to an ideal state. Um, they have their pluses, but they also have their minuses. And it's not true that all the people, you know, who have this and that creature comfort are happy. But even if they were happy, it would be the happiness of the dulled soul. Suppose you had somebody, so I guess, you know, I'm really into, uh, I don't know, John Wayne movies. So if I watch John Wayne movies all day long, seven days a week, I'm a utopia. And he is. He is. But anyone who stands out of his Dalai so I guess, oh, never. That's what you call utopia. In other words, it's so far short of what an ideal is that, that the material utopian message is one that says it's okay to sell out for a little bit. You, you know, you settle for a little bit. And then it becomes a matter of class. The upper class says the little bit that I need includes, you know, five uh, trips around the world. The middle class says, like, this, like I said before, as long as I have enough bedrooms, bathroom works, the mortgage is paid, the air conditioner works, I'm okay. They, they just keep up the food giveaways, you know. I'm okay. Uh, you're selling yourself very short. Now, I'll say it again. From a materialistic point of view, there's no ideal. There's the pragmatic and practical. So from a materialistic point of view, the guy said, like you know, you have $800 million in the, in the Powerball, whatever it is, the Mega Millions. If I give you $100 million, you'll be happy? The guy said, yes. Ah, you're, you're losing your chance to get $800 million. $100 million will satisfy me very well. You see? And you don't need, you know, you don't need the other way. Um, that's not what we believe. So, as I said, I'm uh, going a little bit long. But consider this today to be like an intro. Towards a, It's a good question. Uh, it's a troubling question. Which is, what are we supposed to think about um, in the uh, in the three weeks? And the most troubling of all the questions is a person who says, and, I, and I'm not making fun of it. He said, Taco, what do I need a basic mix for? I'm doing just fine. Yeah? Um, you see, then, you kind of, like, surrendered, as we all do to one degree or another because of where we live, to the, to the, to the materialistic... And I don't mean material in a grub way. I mean material in the sense that, you know, you have what you need to make your life work, you think. It's very famous. I'll leave with this, but I'm going too long. The Barbanel... When he's kicked out of Spain, he was all depressed. And he ended up in Italy. The one place he went to Italy was in North, in Pisa. And he met a famous Jewish banker there who was a from guy, Yechil Nisim de Pisa, a famous banker who was rich. And the Brahmana went to his mansion. And the guy basically said, like this, I don't think Mashiach, even if the Mashiach came today, I wouldn't go back to Israel. I'm doing just fine over here. I'll send money. I'll visit the base of Megish. But I'm doing fine over here. And the guy was living at the point of a sword. You know, as soon as the Duke of Pisa changed his mind, the guy's children were all busted. But for the five minutes that he had it, 
he felt fine. Tisha B'Av is not about five minutes is good enough. We can't help it. We're living in Gaul so long that we'll settle for anything. I'm happy that I don't live in the years 1940 to 45 like my father did. But that's not enough, as it were. I'm grateful for it, but that doesn't constitute the sum of bonum. Anyway, if I keep going on this, it'll take too long. So once again, I want to thank Mishpah Savansky for sponsoring this. And um, to whoever it was, they issued the challenge. And uh, with that, I bid you a, a thoughtful week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.